Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, alongside the founder of BrewHoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. As we were just laughing, as we considered the facts, because I, I had to look up the time of this scrimmage that the Bucks are playing against the Spurs on Thursday afternoon, 2 p.m. Central, which means that I guess by the time everyone's listening to this, it's two days away. I, I, it, it snuck up on us. I've been mentioning it a lot, but it's kind of crazy to think two days we'll have a game to talk about. Yeah, I, I don't know. In my head, I thought maybe this weekend. Uh, and then yeah. you said two days, and I was like, wait, what? Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, it's it's getting real. And uh, Pat Connaughton um, officially confirmed to uh, still the reason for his absence due to a, a positive COVID-19 test. Thankfully, he's um, saying that he's feeling very healthy and, you know, just waiting to, to get uh, – I guess affirmation and enough negative tests that, that he can rejoin the team. So um, everybody's accounted for at this point. Uh, 14 players are there. Eric Bledsoe and Pat Connaughton are, are not quite there. Hopefully they will be there soon. And Cam Reynolds, uh, two-way guy uh, for, I don't, is the, have we gotten any official indication or, or unofficial indication why he's not there? I, I, I have not seen one. Um, I, as per our discussion around two ways, Probably not going to matter, um, but uh, yeah, we finally have a, an accounting of uh, of all bucks, and uh, probably about time, given that they're going to play a damn game in two days, that we know what's uh, what's going on with everybody on the roster. Yeah, so we'll get to Pat and also Bled because I haven't had a chance to talk to you about that yet uh, either, Frank. But with Cam Reynolds, it was really interesting because we've spoke a lot about the thirty five person travel party that each team were allowed to take down to Disney. And this morning, we got a chance to talk to Bud, and that was one of the questions that was thrown to him regarding Cam Reynolds and why that decision was made and how difficult that was. And it really gave you an insight into the choices that, that franchises have had to make about people that can go and people that can't go. We heard John Horst say that it was difficult to make cuts of certain people that they would deem essential, but they just didn't make the mark. And Cam Reynolds was one of those people, and that's really harsh to say because he's a player. But as we've discussed... With two-way guys, uh, you know, if you crunch the numbers and you and you look at what could potentially happen if you're relying on Cam Reynolds to play, it means that something has seriously gone wrong, and they had to make the difficult decision to leave him behind ahead of uh, bringing in more staff, whether it's med- uh, medical staff, uh, physios, strength and conditioning. So Bud was open about that, and he said it sucks. It really sucks that they couldn't get a player down there and had to make that decision, but ultimately for the Bucs, uh, keeping the star players and, and everyone on the roster that's uh, figures to feature in the rotation in these games healthy and in the best shape possible uh, ultimately trumped a, a 17th player. Yeah, it'll be interesting um, if we ever see like what's the full list of who actually is with yeah. uh, the team down there. I mean, um, obviously coaching staff, medical staff, um, 
we know John Horse is down there. I'm curious if uh, other folks from the front office um, ended up going down um, because certainly, you know, do we need front office people uh, in the bubble? Probably not. <laughs> right. I yeah, don't, I don't yeah. know what, 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 what they're doing that would be necessary beyond, um, you know, it's not like there's a real urgent need for that. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. A little bit curious to me. I would have thought you could, actually fit all your players in that 35 person <laughs> traveling party. But, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, again, I'm not anticipating, uh, Cam Reynolds presence being, uh, you know, uh, mattering at all. Frank Mason, I guess there are at least scenarios, especially with Eric yeah. Blood. So, um, uh, you know, coming back from, uh, COVID, uh, and just the fact that the bucks are very thin in terms of pure point guards. And again, I mean, there's, a lot the Bucks can do to avoid. I mean, they don't even necessarily need to run a pure point guard with uh, the way that their team is configured with Giannis and Chris and Dante and some of the other guys. But, um, but yeah, it's uh, an interesting little footnote on just the weirdest season ever. So uh, I don't know what, what else. What else do you want to hit next? Because obviously there's been a, a, a fair bit, and I feel like the last time we talked, there was a lot of things that we were just sort of speculating about. And obviously now we know a little bit more uh, about a number of these guys. It's strange that I feel this way, but I, I did say, and I guess you kind of hinted to it already, when the news came out that both uh, Bledsoe a couple of days ago and now Pat this morning tested positive, it was like, there wasn't much shock factor, I don't think, because I, I guess we kind of speculated and tried to draw the dots and said, okay, well, we haven't seen this group of players uh, over the weekend, we heard from George Hill, Ersan Uyusoba, and then this morning, Kyle Korver. So we were ticking the boxes as we went for guys that had been accounted for on the team and those two hadn't. So Bledsoe, obviously, at the end of last week, revealed that he tested positive and Pat this morning. I do think that it's worth noting because Bud has said that he expects that, oh, this was specific to Bledsoe, he expects or, or hopes or has some a positive feelings that he's going to be around for the season opener on July 31st. But Alex Len had an interesting story. And this is, this is really what the, the whole testing, the virus, the uncertainty and the unknown about each individual case. Alex Len actually took 24 days uh, to get a, positive, a, a negative test, rather. And now he's in the bubble and he's joined uh, the team down there in, in Florida at Disney. So while the time period of both bled, and you have to assume Pat as well, uh, fits that they should be in Disney well and truly before July 31st. They are on the clock. And there is, of course, a scenario where, where perhaps they don't clear the protocol and they don't get that negative test and then get to go down to Florida before those games. Of course, the Bucks are in a, a good situation where uh, these regular season games perhaps don't mean as much as they do to other teams. But in terms of getting guys prepared, getting them in shape, uh, those two in particular that haven't had the chance to get the practice in, uh, there's no doubt that the Bucks are going to want to get both these guys uh, down there. And even Pat, I mean, Pat has been a regular rotation player, only missed two games this season, 18 minutes per game. Uh, they've both been key to the the overall uh, Milwaukee Bucks roster. Yeah, and the benefit the Bucks have is, um, I think, I want to say that their last uh, seeding game is August 13th or something around that, that time. Um, so, you know, basically we've got at this point not quite two weeks until they tip off basically as we record this, I think 10 days essentially until the first official game and then um, call it, you know, roughly two weeks of games left and then probably, you know, a couple days and then, and then the playoffs start. So, um, you know, net net call it about 
four weeks until the playoffs start. So, uh, you know, it's a decent runway still uh, to get those guys back in the fold, uh, hopefully get them some minutes uh, in games under their belt, obviously during the regular season or the seeding games. Um, even if obviously the Bucks, you know, incentives are they're probably not going to be facing a lot of pressure as far as, uh, you know, the one seed being more or less locked up. So, yeah, I mean, this is, you know, the upside of uh, the Bucks having a, an incredible regular season before the suspension of play is that, you know, they have a lot of flexibility um, to bring guys along slowly. They don't have uh, a ton of pressure to, you know, win games to, to try to move up in the standings uh, during, during this eight game period. So um, again, I mean, you want those guys to be available as, as soon as they can so that they can start to get their legs and start to get kind of that game shape. Cause uh, you know, even though thankfully you know, Pat and Bled have both indicated that they are, you know, not dealing with any complications that they're, asymptomatic um who knows right i mean uh, this is still a an illness that uh i mean you hear stories about people taking a long time to recover and i think think it was marcus smart who suggested it you know he felt um residual effects for for quite a while um after he was diagnosed uh in mid-march or around the time of uh you know the rudy gobert donovan mitchell shutdown so um you know fingers crossed for those guys obviously that them and their families are you know, indeed asymptomatic and, and nobody uh, experiences any complications and selfishly as Bucks fans, obviously hope that they can get back to, to playing and, and doing things that we're used to seeing from them. But in the meantime, obviously, you know, um, we've seen the Bucks play without blood. So we've seen the Bucks, obviously Connaughton, not a guy that, you know, you would say, Oh, how do, how do the Bucks go on without Pat Connaughton during, you know, eight seating games. Right. Um, you're really going to miss Cam Reynolds, obviously without Pat, Pat Connaughton, but um <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know opportunity for other guys to get some minutes and uh i, I think the big you know the, the thing i worry about most is just after such a long layoff you know i i just worry if a guy comes in and hasn't been getting the same you know workouts because he's been quarantined or whatever um you know is he more likely to you know strain his hamstring or do do something like some sort of muscle injury that you know uh you push it a little bit too hard and then uh, you you do something, you get something that that ends up you know lingering for for a little while. That, that's where my biggest concern at this point. I mean, aside from the obvious unknown of of COVID itself. So, um, you know, fingers crossed that those guys get back soon. And obviously, the those issues, you know, that concern that applies to everybody on the on the roster as well, not just the guys coming back. Maybe on a, a little bit later timetable, but certainly it's a a little more acute a problem. And and certainly the medical staff is. Um, <laughs> all eyes are going to be on medical staffs around the NBA. Um, hopefully they're not going to have to be dealing with players uh, coming down with COVID-19 itself, but even without that, and you know, we heard today that uh, as of the, the I think it was the July 13th testing round, no positive tests among the 346 NBA players. But um, you know, again, uh, th- that's not the only, obviously the only challenges with coming back in the way that the league is right As far as this game against the Spurs on Thursday, I don't think we're going to really get too much into the X's and O's of what we expect in this game. But the good news was that Bud said today that Giannis is going to play. So Giannis is going to play in this game, as I said, Thursday, 2 p.m. tip-off. Now, I believe that's Central Time, but you might want to double-check that to make sure it's not Eastern uh, down there at Disney. But Thursday afternoon anyway... Uh, we know Giannis probably won't be happy about that coming coming back in an afternoon game. 
Uh, Bud did say he's not sure whether he will play at all in the other two scrimmages, which, again, I mean, it makes sense. Listen, if you're going to uh, really focus your energy and time on anything, it's going to be the eight regular season games. But listen, that's 4 a.m. for me. So it's going to be an early start for me. But mark me down. If there's any way, we don't know yet. If there's any way we can watch this game, stream this game, which I have to imagine there will be, uh, I'll be waking up to see Giannis play basketball again for the first time in quite a while. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't see any reason uh, not to broadcast this game. You know, typically preseason games, you know, when they're in random and non-NBA cities, you oftentimes don't have a, a feed and you end up getting kind of the, the bootleg baseline cam, uh, you know, shots and things like that for highlights. But for, for something like this, um, you know, the whole point of, uh, of doing what they're doing is to have a controlled environment where, you know, the infrastructure is going to allow them to, to uh, broadcast these games easily. And from, you know, again, it's not like uh, Jim Paschke and Marcus and, and crew are, are sitting down there in Orlando. Um, but, you know, the upside is, uh, hey, uh, if, if those guys are available, hey, call it from, from wherever they are <laughs> virtually. That would be fun. And, I mean, just seeing seeing any version of NBA basketball, let alone the box with, uh, with you know, the, the broadcast crew that we're used to, Jim, Marcus, Laura, Etc. Um, that would obviously be be a, a really a really nice feeling to hear those voices and see these players on uh, on any court uh, doing stuff together. Um, that would be that would be a lot of fun. And, and again, you just at this point, it's uh, it's more just about avoiding injuries and you know taking that usual kind of preseason type mindset: avoid injuries, avoid injuries, avoid injuries. And then obviously you hope that. Um, you know, systemically, the guys are clicking and doing the kind of things that uh, that you expect of them. But uh, you know, that's another thing too. I mean, Bucks kind of know who they are, um, and again, the fact that they're kind of like an out of the box type team. And you know, again, I think in the playoffs, they're going to need to certainly tailor their game plans more than than they do during the regular season. And I know, again, they they do that to some extent during the regular season as well. But obviously, this is a team that um, you know they just come out, they play their style. Uh, they're going to win the vast majority of nights, and hopefully that that allows them to to maybe click faster than maybe some other teams that you know maybe don't have that same that same benefit. All right, let's move on to ripped Chris Middleton. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, we were talking to Kyle Corver this morning, and I'm sure a lot of Bucks fans have caught up with this news. But if you haven't yet, so Kyle Corver was asked to name a player that has stood out to him in the early workouts that's come back in perhaps better shape. They're looking really good out in the court in the five-on-five scrimmages the Bucks have been able to have among themselves. And Kyle Corver said, oh, Chris, he looks explosive. He looks, he's moving better than he was all season. He looks better than he did at the start of the season. He was really, really complimentary of Chris. And we got the chance to speak to him. And I must admit, Chris Middleton did laugh himself when the word explosive was repeated back to him. I, I don't think that he could even believe that one. So there might have been a little bit of mayo on that from Kyle Corver. But Chris, he spoke a lot about the fact that he's been uh, been able to get a lot of aerobic work in. He's been working on the weights. I know there was a lot of news about that he said that he didn't touch a basketball. But I must admit, he had the, he had the, like the tank on. Last time he had a long sleeve shirt on. There was a bit of arm definition there. We're not used to seeing that from Chris. I believe him. He looks, he looks as far as Chris Middleton goes, he looks ripped. Are we, uh, are we up and up or down on, on uh, swole Chris Middleton? <laughs> well, I, I, I mean, he, he I, again, I'm basing this off like, you know, like a, a random shot, you know, from an interview. And I, I always, I always like 
find it funny, you know, people catch one angle of a guy like kind of <laughs> tensing. And so he's like, looks more defined. And then it's like, oh, muscle watching. I put on his 15 pounds of muscle or whatever. But um, I, I don't know. I mean, Chris looked, I mean, just visually, he looks, he looked more lean to me than anything. Yeah. Um, and I think, uh, you know, you think about guys, um, you know, in the, the minute loads, you're going to have to start taking in, in the playoffs. And, uh, you know, just what might happen. I mean, we've seen Chris, you know, in, in previous years be kind of open about not always being in the best shape at the start of seasons. And I think this season was different. And then he had the team USA experience, which itself, you know, he was up and up and down as far as the team USA, USA experience, but he got a lot of game reps, game action, you know, in the month of uh, September that he otherwise wouldn't have had. And so, you know, I, I don't think it's a stretch to say that, that probably put him in a better position starting this year than maybe in other seasons. Uh, and obviously, you know, the numbers sort of speak for themselves in terms of his performance this year. So, um, you know, I think we talked about it, but you know, who's the guy that if you could get, you know, peak performance from, you know, a guy and, and obviously Giannis is, it's always easy to look at Giannis, but you kind of expect it from Giannis, but you know, a guy who like Chris, I mean, if he's going to play like he does has during the regular season, Again, that's the most important thing, right? We, I think somebody asked us, you know, Brooke Lopez shooting threes well again or, or Chris going 50-40-90, you know, which is more important. And, you know, we think we both agree 50-40-90 from Chris. If he, if he keeps doing that, uh, you're going to feel really good about the Bucks' chances. So, um, again, him being in good physical shape, you know, does nothing to guarantee that, you know, the ball is going to go in when he shoots it. Um, but obviously, you know, all things being equal, uh, and it doesn't mean a ton, but uh, all things being equal, obviously, yeah, you, you love hearing Kyle Korver uh, singling out Chris as, as being a guy that's that's looking really good and really ready because uh, they're going to need it from him. He's been awesome so far in the, you know, season that was suspended four months ago. And, um, you know, again, uh, you know, it's, it, we're, it, we're, we're still secondly sort of in the off season, the mid season, the off season. So um, I think we're, we're game to, uh, you know, latch on to, uh, to these little bits of optimism and, and get excited. Yeah, it was interesting. I had to remind myself a little bit about Chris Middleton's season this year, and that's been happening a little bit. It just feels like so long ago uh, when the season started. Interestingly enough, uh, as you spoke to, he came into the season shooting pretty well. October, he's shooting splits 49, 41, and 83. Pretty damn good, certainly by his standards over the course of his career, October and November. Hey, he's had the lowest uh, overall field goal percentage in those two months. But November, he was really struggling. You remember he was struggling to shoot from three. He was actually only going at 31% from three across nine games. And then he came back from that injury. And all of a sudden, he was rejuvenated and fresh. And everything was hitting. And his December and January were absolutely absurd. I've got the numbers for January right here. 68% true shooting. Shooting splits of 54, 51, and 90 he averaged 23, 6, and 5 in 30 minutes a game. Just insane across 13 games. So, yeah, he took a little while, uh, or, or maybe, sorry, the, the injury actually rejuvenated him a little bit because it might have worked in, in the opposite direction for him where he, he, the fatigue maybe started to catch on. I mean, he probably did more traveling and more teamwork than he was used to in the summer, and he seemed to use that little two-week break that he had to come back, and then he came back a, a human flamethrower. We know that. He was, he was incredible. So, yeah, no doubt if the option, uh, which it was, it was a great question in the mailbag between Brooke or the 50-40-90, we both, as you said, were, were definitely on board with his shooting splits. But, yeah, he looked slim. He looked ready. And I, I think that that's one thing 
you know, that we'll look at. We'll have the concern over the, the rust and the shooting rust and how guys come back. But certainly from a, a fitness and an aerobic fitness point of view, the guys look like they've put in the work. And Kyle Corver said that himself. He said, actually, uh, we've got a veteran team. These guys aren't messing around. They weren't stuffing around during uh, quarantine. We're trying to win a championship. So everyone was uh, putting the work in and has come back uh, looking pretty damn good. But it's certainly good to hear from Chris because, as you said, a criticism of him over the years is that he's come back uh, maybe not looking like he's in the best shape. But as I said, he's swole Chris, man. I, I took that photo. I got the right angle. As soon as it looked like his arm was flexing a little bit, I'm like, oh, i got to get this one up there. He's, he's, he's looking ripped, so I was happy about that. Clearly, uh, he's going to be a key player moving forward. Do you use your uh, muscle muscle watch filter uh, <laughs> in your Photoshop? You kind of toned him up a little bit just to make him look extra good. Chris Chris needs to slide you a – well, Chris needs to give you a little, little uh, I don't know, some, some inside info, some inside dirt for uh, – for helping him out with that, but no, 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 no photoshopping. Either. Well, Chris, Chris apparently is looking pretty good. And hey, Kyle, I don't know if we would have thought of it if Kyle Corver wasn't talking him up earlier today. No, I don't. I wouldn't have actually. I mean, when you use the words explosive in relation to Chris, it certainly uh, caught my attention. And I didn't put the I didn't put the full filter. I didn't put the Giannis filter on him. I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not trying to put some unrealistic content out there. Hey, another player that it was interesting to talk about this morning with Bud, Marvin Williams. Um, we spoke about him being a, a key player for the Bucks. They're going to need him to be playing well uh, on both ends of the floor, really. For me, it's an interesting situation because it's similar to the Nico Miritich example where had a little bit of time to come in, uh, get adjusted to the team, try and figure out on the fly what this really uh, role in Bucks team are trying to do. And then you have, a, have an extended break. Now, for Miritich, it was a thumb injury. For Marvin Williams, it's been four months because of the pandemic. But Bud admitted that he's sort of going through his second uh, crash course in what the Bucks are trying to do. And he said, yeah, at times it's been a little bit difficult for him to, to you know, catch the rhythm that everyone else is in in terms of schemes, in terms of what they're trying to do on offense. And when they go into their motion offense where it's all just uh, feel and memory, he, he hasn't had that time with them. And he played... Uh, 11 games, but he, he mentioned specifically on the defensive end, he saw some things just before the break, and I would agree with this, that he was able to provide versatility, different matchups, switch on to different guys across multiple positions that Bud actually said in a scary comment that Marvin Williams has the ability to take this defense to another level. Yeah, certainly, I think, uh, and you know, I mean, historically great defense, I mean, not even close to number two, right? I mean, the, the just a huge gap between the Bucks and number two right now. But I think the dimension he brings is, again, being able to give you at the four someone other than Giannis who has that switchability and, and that versatility and a guy who, you know, you could throw out there and if he's got to defend, you know, LeBron in, in a pinch, if he's got to defend Anthony Davis in a pinch um, in a finals matchup or, you know, Kawhi or some of these guys, he can kind of flex between those like wing and, and sort of big type players in ways that, you know, I don't think you'd trust anybody this side of, you know, Giannis to really do on, on the current roster, you know, and, and ironically it's the, you know, it's basically the role that kind of had been hoping DJ Wilson would grow into and, and said, well, we've got 34 year old Marvin Williams doing it, but he's certainly a guy that has done it. And, you know, 37% shooter from three. Um, we haven't quite seen him maybe, shooting at that level 
since he came to the Bucks. But um, I think, again, it's a little interesting because he's not obviously the offensive player that like Nico Miritich is. Um, but, you know, if, if Marvin Williams is not knocking down threes, um, he's going to give you that defensive versatility that obviously a guy like Nico or, or Urson won't. So, um, so yeah, I, he's a guy obviously that, you know, it was exciting to see him getting the minutes that he was and, you know, seeing some small ball minutes with Giannis, seeing kind of different looks with him uh, since he got signed. I think we were all just, you know, a little worried, like, okay, is he just going to get, you know, benched and we won't even really see what he's going to do and Urson's going to keep eating up all those minutes and instead got a very long look uh, from Bud and, now uh, he's got obviously, you know, more opportunity to kind of get his legs under him a little bit, understand that system and get more comfort with his teammates. So, um, so yeah, it's, you know, perhaps of, of anybody on this team, you could argue he's a guy that will benefit from these eight seating games probably more than, than pretty much anybody else, just because obviously, you know, everybody's going to need to get kind of the rust knocked off a little bit, but, but he's a guy that obviously doesn't have familiarity with his teammates either so um i you know we we can question the value of these eight seating games but um at least one thing would be good is is getting marvin those reps yeah i remember late march or oh, sorry early march i think it was during the 2018-19 season there's a there's a matchup i'll never forget ursan found himself defending lebron for a, a pretty extended period of time at that game at the staples center the bucks ended up winning and of course, Ursan uh, did draw one charge on LeBron. I mean, that's come on, it's stock standard. And I love Ursan as much as anyone. But I remember sitting there, think, watching that game, and thinking, "Geez, I know we're not going to have to play the Lakers in the playoffs, but Ursan's uh, the guy. He's, this is the matchup that we're going to have to get again in, in some potential matchups with teams." And it was kind of a scary thought. So uh, I'm glad you pointed out Marvin Williams with some of those matchups because there's there's great threes and great fours uh, throughout the playoff uh, puzzle for the Bucs as they try to get through. And Marvin's going to be one of those guys that can do that. As far as his shooting goes, it predominantly being a real marksman from the corners. And even this season in Charlotte, 50% from the right corner, 41% from the left. Uh, with the Bucs, he was, he was really struggling. Only uh, 5 for 14 and only 2 for 11 from above the break. And he's going to get those looks with the Bucs because we know those trailer threes are usually an open shot and then also uh, the Bucks do a really good job whether it's Giannis whether it's Bledsoe uh, whether it's any of those guys uh, driving to the basket and then finding the shooters at the top so he's going to get those looks no doubt you're not asking for a lot from him uh, offensively so I think that gives me some more confidence because he's got a history of being a really reliable three-point shooter so I don't have too many concerns there uh, I think again as you pointed to and, and Bud pointed to I think defensively just getting acclimatized again to this team will be the key point. Hey, before we wrap this up, I got, I got to bring something up today because this comes up on Twitter every few months. This graphic does the rounds. I'm sure you've seen it. And today, again, I probably had, I don't know, maybe six, seven, eight people tag me in this graphic. And it's the kangaroo, uh, the legal, uh, I don't know what you want to call it. It's legal to have a permit to have a kangaroo as a pet in Wisconsin. Uh, I'm very aware of this. I've had nothing to do with it. I've never had a kangaroo as a pet. That's why you went back. That's why you <laughs> went back home, right? I, I, I don't, you know, every now and then you see a news story in Wisconsin that there's a kangaroo on the loose. Uh, I remember one game, there was an unfortunate story of a kangaroo got hit by a car. It was very sad. And of course, naturally everyone wanted to show me the story. And I said, listen, this is a, this is a tough day for me. I'm, I'm a long way from home and, uh, one of my fellow countrymen has gone down, so give me some space. But I am aware of it, and uh, I don't know how many kangaroos there are in Wisconsin. Do you, have you ever seen one in, when you've been there? No. 
I'm, I'm just trying to think. Um, I took my daughter to, uh, I've been to the Houston Zoo and the, there's a zoo in Austin, although the Austin Zoo is more of like a, like a rescue type thing. It's not like a normal sort of zoo. I'm trying to think. I think they had kangaroos at both of those. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't, and I think the closest I've gotten is, you know, Andrew Bogut's old jokes about his pet wallaby or whatever. Um, <laughs> here question. So have you ever encountered in Australia a like wild kangaroo? Like, like, I mean, you live in a, in a city, so it's not like there's kangaroos running around. Have you ever encountered a, a kangaroo actually in nature or have you only ever encountered them in sort of controlled environments? And are they friendly? We, I think we've talked about koalas being little, you know, prickly little ornery creatures, but uh, kangaroos, what, what's the deal with kangaroos? Do you, if you see a kangaroo, should you kind of turn around and walk the other way or, or, uh, or are they kind of friendly? Um, I wouldn't say they're friendly. I mean, I wouldn't be like scared of one. Like I wouldn't like run away from it or anything like that. They typically get out of your way. Um, if you're anywhere near close to them, but yeah, they're, they're everywhere. Like they're not in the city. So it's not like the Australian, you know, it's not like the old, oh, the, I, I go in my backyard and there's a kangaroo there. Like, it's not like that. But if I drive, I only have to drive probably 15 minutes away from my house and there'll be lots of kangaroos out there. So anytime you get out of the city, they're generally around golf courses for sure. They're always hanging out on golf courses. So there's plenty of kangaroos around, but yeah, just not, uh, not in my house. Like I don't, I don't have to keep my doors closed to keep the kangaroos out or anything like that. But yeah, anytime you, anytime you leave the are city. They, are, so are they almost like, uh, are they almost like sort of like the deer of Australia in some way? Maybe not quite yeah. as common, but just sort of, they're just sort of around. It sounds like. Yeah, I mean, I remember when Eric was uh, in Australia last year for the the Team USA stuff in Melbourne. He was staying down in Geelong with with me for a part of that, and we were just sort of I was just showing him around a little bit, and he, he mentioned seeing a kangaroo, and I was like, "All right, let's just jump in the car." And we we drove I don't know ten fifteen minutes, and I'm like, "There's usually kangaroos around here," and we just walked around for a little bit, and we saw we saw a bunch out there. So yeah, it's uh, <laughs> I, I definitely don't get excited when I see a kangaroo. It's it's more common than that, but. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, I, I don't know. I, I kind of, it, it, I don't really know what to say when, when people like send me kangaroo stories, I get excited about kangaroos. I'm, I'm like, should I pretend that this is like a, this is a crazy thing or I'm, I'm not sure. I'm never really sure how to react to that. Yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, I was going to say like, if you're from Wisconsin and you go to other States, I feel like people will talk about cows, um, as though, you know, Oh, you know, you're from Wisconsin, like you have a cow or, I mean, not that people necessarily really believe that, but <laughs> that's just sort of the, the joke. Um, but I, I don't think it's quite as strong of a con- implied connection as, uh, as Australians and, and kangaroos. So um, I don't know, but you know, whatever, it's a pretty cool animal in the grand scheme of things, good hops, good vert, um, you know, in the grand scheme, if you're playing a, a, a an animal kingdom basketball game, uh, I don't know. I feel like kangaroos would, would, uh, would got to rank pretty highly. I don't know. I don't know about their hands. Kind of got little small hands, so kind of, kind of got like, you know, the not not much on the wingspan department, but you know, good, good, uh, good vertical. Well, we've uh, ticked off. I had I had a few things in this episode to tick off. Giannis playing was one of them. Pat Connaughton's COVID test uh, ripped Chris Milton, Marvin Williams, and Kangaroos. So I, I think we can we can safely finish this episode off uh, knowing that we've, we've done everything we, we wanted to set out to accomplish. Another one for the books, Kane.
almost game time. That's the crazy part. We're actually going to have a game to discuss uh, maybe the next time we talk, which is just wild. Yep. Uh, after this podcast, as you're listening to this, you will only have... What, let me work this out. You had there were two more pods, and then Friday's pod is going to be a little post-game action. We're going to be able to talk about maybe a Bucks win, a Bucks loss, Giannis dunk, who knows? But it's going to be a lot of fun, so I'm really looking forward to that, Frank. Always appreciate you coming on. We thank everyone for listening. Stay safe out there, and we'll be back tomorrow.